Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that he gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. Today we are continuing our series called Better, and uh, we're, we're talking about how to win at home. That's kind of the, the idea behind this entire series, and we said that this series was going to take us right up to Thanksgiving, and the reason we were doing this is because we wanted to be able to make commitments every week that we were going to have better relationships in our families, in our marriages, in our homes, and, and I, my prayer and hope was by the time you got to Thanksgiving, you would see your relationships are stronger and your home is better because of the commitments that you're making. And so today, I want to send you over to Matthew chapter 9. So if you have the Word of God, head over to Matthew chapter 9. That's where we're going to start this morning. Uh, If you have not been here for the last few weeks, I feel like I need to catch you up so that you have the foundation for what we're going to talk about today. We kicked the series off three weeks ago talking about Lego houses. And we said that for, uh, for all of us, as we got into life, we started to live our own life, whether it was our, our walk with Jesus or whether it was just life in general, whether it was our marriage or our home, whether we wrote it down or said it or not, there was this mental picture that we had of how things were going to turn out. And we had this beautiful Lego home, and we said that every one of us thought it was going to be like that. And then we showed you a Lego home that was put together all wrong, and we said, this is usually the way it turns out. And the reason for that is because life never goes as planned. Those of you that have years, right on. It never goes as planned. And we know that. We instinctively know it's not going to turn out that way. But somehow, we we get in our head, like, we're going to be the only ones. It's going to go right for us. And then as we get into life, and we start to build our home and everything else, it doesn't turn out the way that we hoped, or at least what the picture in our mind said. Then we become frustrated or we become angry. And it's in that frustration, that, ang- that anger, that we begin to sin against each other. And what we said in that very first week is, look, um, it's normal for all of our homes to be kind of jacked up, to be messed up. Life is just that way. And, and we're in uh, imperfect relationships with imperfect people. And it's not going to turn out to be this perfect Lego house. And so that's okay. And the line that we used in that first week was, Even all of the broken pieces of your marriage and your home and everything else, if you just offer them to God, what we told you was that God can redeem anything. He does amazing work in the brokenness. And so much so that he can take things that are messy and jacked up and ugly and he can make them into something absolutely beautiful if you'll let him. Uh, The second week we talked about foundation issues. We said we all have to build our, our lives, our marriages, our, our homes on something. And if you pick the wrong thing, then what you do is you risk the, the chance of everything crumbling down around you at any given moment. But what we told you in that first week is um, Jesus Christ is the best foundation that you can build your life, your marriage, your home on. And we encourage you to put him front and center in your life first and then everything else and all of your relationships. And then last week, if you were here, we talked about this idea of circles. And if you were here, you know what circles means, right? It's, it's these area, this, this influence that we have in our lives. It's the people that we surround ourselves with and we surround our kids with. And we came at it from a parenting standpoint. And we said that you need to be very intentional about who you surround yourself with. And you need to, to be very intentional about who your kids surround themselves with. And, and as a parent, you start off with a very, very young child. You're in control. And as they grow older, you've got to move out of that position of control into more of a control consultant is what happens. And the idea is you want to maintain influence in their lives so that you can continue to direct them as they get older into their 20s, 30s, 50s, whatever it is. And you can maintain influence and be a voice, be a part of that circle in their life that helps direct them because a better circle makes for a better life experience. And we know that to be true. You surround yourself with good people, you're going to have a good experience. Bad people, you're going to have a bad experience. And it was the idea of checking who's in our circles, who are we uh, allowing in our circles, and who are we allowing a voice into our own lives and into the lives of our children as well. And that catches you up because today we go from circles. What I want to talk to you today about is glowing rectangles. Anybody have an idea of what we're talking about today? 
Aha, yeah. Some of you are like, oh man, should have stayed home today. Uh, we're going to talk about our, our phones, our, our media influence within our lives, social media and everything else. And, and I'm going to talk about it mainly from a parenting standpoint, but it's going to apply to every one of us. So even if you're single, this applies to you. And, and as I'm doing this, I know some of you are like, oh great, I already know what I'm going to hear from him. And, and I, want, I want to challenge you on that and say this. I'm not going to go old school on you, okay? I'm not doing that. I'm not, not, everything's evil. I'm not doing that today. Here's what I want to do. I just want to open the door for you to be able to start conversations within your family as it relates to social media and your phone and everything else. Because I will promise you this, this is a bigger issue than you even know. And so with that being said, I just want to give you a warning. Uh, I, crossed, I crossed some lines last week. Um, I'm going to cross some lines this week, all right? And I want you to know that, okay? And I hope you're okay with that because uh, I'm asking for really, um, no, nah, I'm not asking for your permission. I'm just gonna speak from a pastoral standpoint today, all right? And what I mean by that is it's a little different today because sometimes I just get up here, I just teach, you meet me at the back, you shake my hand, you still like me. Sometimes uh, when you talk from a pastoral standpoint, you do have to step on some toes. And if you look at scripture, you'll recognize that when they talk about the role and responsibility of pastors, they liken it to shepherds a lot of the time. And if you think about the role and responsibility of a shepherd, it's to tend to the flock, to care for them, to lead them in the, in the direction they're supposed to go, to protect them, right? So a shepherd with sheep, they do things like, hey, don't eat poop, that's not good for you, right? Come over here, here's some green grass, this is better for you to eat, and don't drink out of that water that's contaminated. I want to take you some good water that, that's really good for you. And, and, and those things over there, those are wolves. Stay away from them because they will kill you. That's a pastoral stance. And that's the stance I'm going to have to take today. And I, I just hope you're okay with it. I was going to ask your permission. I just decided, no, I'm just going to go with it. So, um, so let's jump into this today, all right? You ready? Are you ready for this? Um, when I was growing up, I'm going to date myself here just a little bit, but when I was growing up, uh, we had decisions to make about certain things in our lives. Some of you, if you think back to when you were a child, you really have to think, because it was a long time ago, right? And it's kind of fuzzy for you. Others, you're like, it's just like yesterday, because it was yesterday, right? And so wherever you're at, I want you to think about when you were growing up, and, and when I was growing up, uh, I remember the phone in our house was a big deal. And it was in the central part of the house. We had one landline that ran into the house, and it was on the wall. And you had to pick up the phone, and you had to dial to call somebody. And you had to memorize these numbers, right? And, and uh, whether it was a rotary, right, which was horrible because you would mess up on the last one. You have to start all over again. And then we got the push button. That was a lot easier. It was nice. And, and uh, I remember when I was in junior high, uh, a little girl I would call. Her number was 933-9092. I still remember it today. And... Um, it's my wife, in case you were wondering, okay? Uh, but I still remember her number when we were in junior high because I dialed it so many times because I was in love with this girl and I was hanging out with her on the phone, but that phone was in the central part of the house. It was usually in the kitchen or somewhere in like the living room and everybody could hear your phone call. And when the game got upped is when you went out and bought that really, really long phone cord. Remember this? And you could dial, and then you could walk like 20 feet down the hallway, go into your room and shut the door, and you could still hold the receiver and talk in private to whoever it was you're talking to. That was a big deal. And then later on, we got these things um, that you plugged into your phone. It was called an answering machine. And you could push record and leave your message. Hey, I'm so-and-so, leave a message, right? And, and uh, it was funny because people could call your house, and now they could actually just leave a message for you when you went there. This was big-time stuff. It was a little bitty tape, and it was awesome. And you'd listen to your, your messages. And, and then sometimes you'd walk in the house, and you could hear somebody leaving a message, and you'd run to the phone and try to catch it before they hung up. Hey, I'm, I'm here. I'm trying to shut off. I don't know how to shut off the machine. This is what we would do. Uh, and then it really went cool when uh, we got, like, um, this thing called call waiting. That was awesome, man, because you could actually be talking to somebody and somebody could buzz in. Because that was big, because you got tired of calling somebody and it was like, er, 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 it's still busy, right? And you call like 20 times and it's still busy. Get off the phone. I'm sure it's her little brother, right? I'm going to kill that little. So it, it was one of those things. And when you got call waiting, you could actually go, hey, hang on one second. Yeah, what's going on? Oh, yeah, I'm talking to somebody. Let me call you right back, right? That was a big deal. Um, and then, <laughs> this is when things got crazy when you could actually get a separate line, like you'd have two phone numbers coming into the same house, 
And, and I remember some of my friends, this was like rich people did this, right? And, and my friends would show up at school and they're like, hey, just call my number. This is it. It's my direct number to my room. And you're like, oh man, that was awesome because I wish I could do that, right? It was a big deal. And then of course we went mobile and we got those big old brick phones that you could actually call without being tethered to a wall or something, right? But they were big. I actually tried to find one because I wanted one for a message illustration. If you find me one, man, I'd love to have one because I priced them. They are going for thousands of dollars. Can you believe that? These stupid brick phones, remember these? And they had like an antenna that you had to stretch out like it was super long and you had to be careful where you walk because if you went underneath the ceiling fan, you know, bad things happened. But it was, it was so cool. You could actually talk as you were walking around and you weren't tethered to anything. And the mobile, the original mobile ones, they were in a bag that you plugged into a cigarette lighter. Some of you don't even know what a cigarette lighter is, but you'd plug that into your, your car and it would charge the phone and you could actually talk to somebody as you were driving down the road. Like that was, that just blew everybody's mind when those came out. It was amazing. And then we got cell phones. And I remember the first cell phone I ever got, it was on the state patrol. I remember cruising around, I kept looking over at that phone on the other seat thinking, I could call my wife like right now. Like, she could call me right now. This is crazy. Like, it was just so foreign to us. And, and this is the way the phones went. Uh, TVs were very similar to that. If you remember, we had, you know, one TV per house, really. If you were the type of family that you actually had another TV and it was in your bedroom, oh, man, you were, you were uptown. That was big-time stuff. And then, uh, when you went away from the rabbit ears with the tinfoil on them, remember that? You got the three to five channels that were local, and you actually got cable. When they ran cable into your house... All your friends knew about it, man. It was a big deal. Because you had like 700 channels, and it came in. It wasn't fuzzy at all. It was incredible when, when TV upped its game. And then, of course, um, I grew up in that era where gaming started. My dad went and bought us an Atari for Christmas. And I remember that was the coolest thing, man. You had one joystick and one button. Like, that was, that was cool, you know? And we went, I mean, it jumped big time over the next few years. It went from that to PlayStation to Sega Genesis. Remember those? I uh, remember uh, Super Nintendo, N64, and when they finally got to those portable Game Boys, we thought that was it. There's nothing going to beat these. Like, that was just the coolest thing ever. And don't even get me started on computers, because computers changed the game, man. Those first computers, I mean, it, it took like four guys to carry them into your house. They were so big. The floppy disks were like this big. They didn't, they didn't hold anything, but that's where you stored your stuff, and it was incredible. It was like a green screen. It was all word processing. You put, typed in code. It was really strange. And then all of a sudden, things got crazy with Windows. Now it became user-friendly. Everybody could jump on, and then, then the Internet happened. That got crazy. AOL, Right? You remember this? You had to buy, like, uh, internet by the minute. You would get it on a disk, and you could slip it in, connect, sign in. And, and like, you couldn't do it if you only had one line because you, nobody could call in at that point because you were using that phone line for your internet. And then you couldn't do it secretly because it was so loud when you signed in. It was like, you know, all that stuff. And, and you got a hit of dopamine because you were all, like, excited. I'm going online, man. This is awesome. And uh, it just click, and it would take forever to load anything back then. I remember the days of Ask Jeeves. Remember that? Like, that was cool. I had a friend that worked for Ask Jeeves, and they would just, uh, whatever they sent them, he would send it to this guy. And this guy, the only reason he worked for him is because he could run the Internet better than most people. And he would just search the Internet, get your answer, and send it to you. That's, that's how Ask Jeeves worked. It was just incredible. And, and then, of course, then you got into search engines, Remember? That was like the coolest thing, because now you could look up anything that you wanted. Yahoo! Remember all those commercials? It was crazy, like it changed everything. Now, the reason I bring all this up is because we have little bitty kids today. And we give them these. And it's got all of that on it. And much more. Much more. I mean, everything from phone calls to uh, voicemail to internet to, G, uh, to you know, your, your texting messages to surfing the internet. You can look up anything you want on your phone. You can watch movies on these things. You can play games on these things. You've got everything I just talked about at the touch of a screen. And our kids are exposed to every bit of it right now. And... and I remember a time when as parents we could protect our kids from some of the craziness that we saw in the news. Remember that? 
Like the evening news, parents would watch that. Kids would just go play. I didn't, I didn't know there was murders going on in L.A. It didn't matter to me, and it didn't affect me as a kid. I wasn't worried about the bombing going on in Ukraine. It wasn't being updated on my phone every five minutes. I, it just didn't affect me like it affects these kids today. Today, there's so much anxiety and stuff brought on because they are, they are every moment being updated on everything that's going on around the world. And then it, it was easier to protect their purity because the things that were impure were out of reach for us. It's not out of reach for them. I remember to get a dirty magazine, you had to walk into a gas station. And they had them behind the counter. Remember that? They were on a rack back there. And most of them were wrapped in brown, like paper bag stuff. You couldn't even see what it was. It was curiosity more than anything. Um, The video stores. Remember going to video stores? Like in the back, they had a separate room that was, had a little curtain. You had to go through the curtain. Most of you are like, oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but you had to go through that curtain just to look at the pornographic videos, right? And they hid it because they knew that kids a certain age were going to be in that store and they didn't want them to see them because just the images, just the covers would jack with them. And yet today, they get every bit of that on their phone. At a moment's notice. And not, not only that they can search for it, but it's sent to them. Like it's popping up on their phone and they're exposed to it, whether they like it or not. Let me ask you, how do you parent kids in a crazy time like this? I don't envy you young, young parents. I don't. But how do, you, how do you navigate these waters? Because I promise you, it wasn't like that even 20 years ago. It's changed a lot in the last 20 years. Jesus uses a perfect illustration for what it's like trying to lead through change right here in Matthew chapter 9. He says this, Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. He goes on to say, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the old wineskins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved. See, my goal here today is that your family doesn't burst. You're not ruined, but that we're able to preserve your family. We're, make it better so that you can win at home. What this passage is talking about is the, the new patch of technology will not work with the parenting styles that our parents used. The newness of technology will burst that old, that old parenting technique or that old method. It's not going to work. You have to change it. And let me tell you, there is too much that's changed and too much at stake. We have to change our method. We have to do better. And while your desires and your principles might be the same as your parents that raised you, guess what? Your method and your approach is going to have to change. And I want to push you toward a kingdom-focused way of parenting your kids because I believe there is a right way to do it. See, God gave us some cheat codes in in Proverbs chapter 4 on how to live and how to raise our kids. He said, guard your what? Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. We need to become uh, better. We need to commit ourselves to guarding our hearts, and not just that, but guarding the hearts of our kids as well. I regularly to parents that are so frustrated by what's going on with their kids' phones, with the, them online, with the social media, everything that's going on. And there's plenty to be frustrated about, trust me. That is not a hollow complaint because they know that there's something not right about it. And all the studies are showing the same thing. There's a link between social media and depression uh, that is staggering to me. It shows that as uh, soon as our kids get online, there's a reduction of 66% in their happiness. It correlates to a 66% increase in depression among our young children just from being on social media. And I think a lot of that can, can be tied to them comparing themselves to other people, to a life that's impossible, to, to that, that Lego house. They think that they're going to have that in their life, and when they don't, they become depressed over it. And, and here's the other problem, is they're not being taught that everything that they look at on the, on the internet is not real, right? They think it's real. Since the introduction of the smartphone, do you realize that we've seen a 65%, get this, 65% increase in the suicide rate among our high school girls? Do you think we have a problem? Man, that, that's like screaming. We got a major issue. We need to do something about this. Social media is driving a lot of this anxiety. 
a lot of it. Kids with smartphones, they, they get one hour less of sleep every night than kids that go to bed without their phone. And you can't tell me that's healthy for them. And God designed it that way. We go to bed, we sleep, we shut down so that we might refresh, we might recuperate, we might be able to, to wake up and, and excited about the next day and they're losing one hour of sleep every night because of their smartphone? Now, this is an old stat. Five years ago, right? That didn't seem like that long ago, but that was a long time ago. Five years ago, they surveyed teens across the United States and they found out 62% of teenagers had received some type of nude image in the last year. 62. And get this, 40% had sent one. Man, we're, we're, we're struggling. And here's the problem. We are falling further and further behind. Technology is getting better and better at what they do, and we're not aware of it. And as parents, sometimes it's because we're just naive. Sometimes, let's be honest, it's just out of laziness. It's easier just to hand them a device. And we're not paying attention because we're on ours. They, they have this thing called algorithm now which has changed the game. It's designed to keep you online. It's designed to keep feeding you stuff that, that grabs your attention. And it notices how long you spend on certain pictures or, or videos or posts, whatever it is. Even if you don't click on it, if you just linger on it, it picks that up and it begins to send you more and more of the same content so that you'll stay on there. And what this creates is the sense that the whole world is doing it because that's all you end up seeing. It's... It's why we have people that fall for all these conspiracy theories because that's what their feed is filled full of and they think everybody else is into it as well. This is why we continually get more and more convinced that our position on issues is the right position. That everyone agrees with me because they send you everything that is going to feed that. Now the struggle with all of this is as we're raising our families, your daughter's sitting at home and she's struggling with her body image. So she begins to scroll and she's looking for stuff that's going to help her and she's finding all these other young ladies that are posting pictures and, and let's be honest, they're photoshopped, they're brushed. And instead of helping her, she starts this downward spiral of depression. Or she starts to pretend to be somebody she's not, act a certain way, dress a certain way, be a certain way because that's what she thinks that she's supposed to be. Our sons are sitting at home and they're visually stimulated because that's the way God designed them. They're interested in girls and, and so they start looking that up. They start clicking on a few things and depending on what they click on, it opens up a portal into things that they would have never been exposed to 10 years ago. And it feeds a beast within them. It creates an addiction that plays out in every relationship that they have and they find themselves, they don't even realize what they're doing, but they start objectifying the opposite sex. Treating them like objects because that's what it tells them to do. For your kids, this is how they find themselves pressured to experiment when it comes to sex, experiment when it comes to drugs. And if you think I'm being old school right now and I'm just making this stuff up, let me just ask you a question. Why do you think there were so many kids that did that Tide Pod challenge? Right? Kids dying because of the influence that this has on their life. Don't tell me it's not having an impact on your kid. Ephesians 5 says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but, leave, be like, uh, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Parents, listen to me. This is your passage. Don't be foolish. Be wise. Make the most of every every opportunity in these evil days. Now, when it comes to this social media and our phones and things like this, you have three options as a Christian parent. You can reject it, you can receive it, or you can redeem it. And this morning, um, some of you, like, like I told you, I'm just speaking from a, a pastoral standpoint. As a shepherd, you can choose to hear everything I say today, and you can choose to make some changes in your life. You can. Or you can reject every bit of it. You can just throw it all out. You're welcome to do that. Have you seen that video 
Speaking of internet videos of, of the farmer that's pulling that, that stupid sheep out of that trench that he's dug, it's stuck in the trench, and he pulls it up, and as soon as he does, it takes like three jumps and goes right back, and it's stuck back in the same trench. You can do that if you want. It's your right. But I'm hoping today to wake you up so that you decide that you're going you're to start taking some, some steps to protect your family, to increase your family time, to, to strengthen your relationships and win at home. Now, you can reject it. You can. You can say today that, you know what, internet, it's all bad. We're just going to throw it out of our house. You can do that and, and choose not to participate. You could also reject it in a way that you just say, look, there is some good to it, but right now is not the time, and we're going to make sure that we protect our kids from it right now. Now, I, I hear from parents that are rejecting it, right? And, but, but they're frustrated because they're like, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with my kid. And he's on the internet all the time. He's always on my phone. He's looking at this stuff or she's looking at this stuff and the whole bit. And they're talking as though it's somebody else's kid. And I always want to go, it's your kid. You're the parent. You can take it away. Like you really can't. There are some other options. And, and honestly, I think sometimes it's out of laziness. We just don't want to deal with it. Well, I need to have a phone. I need to be able to call them when I want to. 20 years ago, my parents couldn't get a hold of me. But they knew when the lights went out in the street, I was going to be home, right? Um, and I know it's a different world today, but here's the thing. You are the parents. You can make decisions. Uh, they, there was a whole group of men that, that figured out this was a major issue, that there was a market for something else. They started looking into an app that would help in this area. And what they found out is they didn't need another app. They needed a phone that couldn't download apps. And they came up with this thing called the Light Phone. And it's interesting because you know what this thing does? It makes phone calls and it text messages. That's all it does. You have other options as a parent. You don't have to give in to everything that's going on. I talked to a mother right after the first service that said, man, thank you so much for this because I always feel like a horrible parent because all the other parents are doing this with their kids and my kid comes home all the time and goes, well, they got this and they got this and they, they can do this. And, and she says, I'm trying to protect them and yet they don't understand you are the parents. You can make the decisions. And you not only need to make these decisions for your kids, but you need to make them for you because you and your kids, I think, are going to wrestle with anxiety and depression and self-harm and low self-esteem. And you're going to be exposed to explicit material and images because you have social media. You have access to the internet. All I'm saying is that you might need to make some tough calls today so that you have a better future with your kids tomorrow. That's all I'm saying. But you have to make the decisions. You're the parent. And it's interesting as I talk to parents, because if you bring up alcohol or drugs, oh yeah, they're educated, man. They know. We're not allowing that anywhere near our kids. We don't allow our kids to, to hang out with other kids that do that stuff. We don't, you know, we make sure that it doesn't come into the house. I mean, they've got all these barriers and they've got all these rules. But when it comes to this thing, there's nothing and can I just tell you, I really believe that social media and technology will have a far greater profound impact on your kids than a Coke and Jack ever will. You need to pay attention to this glowing rectangle because this is where it's at. Now, um, if you've never seen this, I want to encourage you to watch this. It's called The Social Dilemma. Um, it is an amazing thing. It's not Christian. But it will open your eyes. If you've never watched this, you need to watch it, especially if you have kids. This is a must-watch. You need to watch it so you understand how this works and how the, the talons get sunk in. Um, now, I know that we've got some young people in the room today that are just like, this sucks. <laughs> like, why did we come to church today? This stinks. Mom's going to take my phone. Probably going to lose cable now. Stinking awkward conversation at lunch today. This is really going to stink, Right? Can I, can I just say this? Please understand me from, from a pastor. I'm just saying this. I'm for you. I'm for you. Jesus said that he came so that you could live life and live it to the fullest. And I believe he's got a great life that he wants you to live. And I don't want you to miss out on that. I'm for you. Please understand me. I'm not against you in this. I believe that God has a better life for you than you could ever view online. But you've got to put that glowing tri that rectangle down and start living that life that Jesus has for you. Now, we can choose to reject it. We can choose to receive it, too. And there's some of you, you're, you're going to make this decision. Like, there is some great stuff in there. We're just going to hang on to it. We're going to keep using it. We're going to use it for the good stuff, right? And I admit, I mean, there's some great stuff on there. I, just recently, I had to change out some ignition um, coils on my car. 
And it was pretty cool because I got on YouTube and I'm like, uh, changing ignition coils on this engine. And it showed me 20 different videos of that same thing. I was like, this is awesome watching it. And one video in particular, this guy showed me a little trick that saved me a couple hours. I'm like, that's awesome. There's some great stuff on there. There's some great uses for the internet. You can receive it. Uh, and get this, you, you can do stuff that you couldn't do 20 years ago. Like, it was impossible, and now you can actually do it. If you can teach your grandparents how to get on there, guess what? You can FaceTime, you can, you can Zoom with them, even if they're on the other side of the globe, and, and you can meet with them once a day if you want. It's incredible. There's some great advantages to this. So, so you can reject it, you can receive it, or you can redeem it. Like, it's amazing to me that, that we can leverage the gospel on the internet. You can. Do you realize right behind pornography, which is the number one use of the internet, is religious material? Like the gospel is being spread online all over the globe. We can leverage it for, to be a force for God. We can, we can broadcast encouraging and uplifting content to people who, who need it. They experience joy and contentment and, and just encouragement online watching from all around the globe. So there is some great things about this that can be redeemed as well. Now, I want to share with you how my family's doing it because this might show you that there might be um, a couple of these that you're going to have to implement. It might be different for each person too. My wife, my wife is receiving it, man. Like she loves it. She's on her phone. She's looking at stuff. She's reading stuff all the time. She's, she's looking up ideas. and I mean, she uses it for everything. Um, me, I'm rejecting it. Like, I totally rejected it when we got into COVID because I was in such a bad place. I stripped my phone of all the, the social media. I kept one social media outlet, and that was it. And even now, like over the last few weeks, I've been fasting from that. And I'm finding out that I am a lot more productive, and I'm a happier person. I don't want to choke everybody out. It's great to be in that place, right? And, and, and a lot of that was being driven by what I was viewing online. I was getting frustrated with the world and everything that was happening, and, and I had to get off of that. And it's helped me tremendously. And I am more productive today. The last couple of weeks, you know, I had some other projects and stuff going on. So I just fasted from social media. And every time I picked my phone up, I was like, hey, I'm going to check the score on. Oh, wait a minute. Here's a list of things I wanted to do instead of that. Let me go do that. And I've been so productive. It's been amazing to me. Which leads me to my next point. The other challenge technology presents is that it's a time trap. Like, it'll suck up your time so fast. And this might be the biggest problem for a lot of us. And I want to show you a few formulas that I think might help um, show you that this is so important, especially as parents. You need to understand the time that you spend on these glowing rectangles and what it does to you as a parent and what it does to your family as well. First one is time over time equals history. You've got to put the time in. And you're going to see a common thread all the way through all of this, and it's going to be time. But you have to put the time in. If you put the time in, you have history with your kids, then guess what? You have a better chance of being an influence in their life as they grow older. When you move out of that control into that more of a consultant stage, you're going to have more influence because you've spent more time with them. You can't just show up when they're 18 and all of a sudden decide to give them advice. It doesn't work that way. Next one, love over time equals worth. If you lose time, your child won't have this true sense of their worth. You're not spending any time with them. When you spend time with them, it, it communicates love. It communicates that they're valuable because you're spending time with them. And when you do that, they'll be able to see themselves through your eyes and through God's eyes. But if you're not spending time, you're not teaching them that, guess where they're going to find their worth? It's not going to be from good places. And love is more powerful in the long run than in these grandioso moments. My parents taught me, um, you can't really plan as a parent for quality time. Okay, kid, I've got two minutes. Let's sit down. We're going to have a conversation heart to heart, right? It doesn't happen that way. Now, what I learned from them is it takes quantity of time, and somewhere in that quantity of time, quality will pop up. It's incredible. You might think that this amazing Christmas vacation is going to be awesome for us, and this is going to be quality, and you'll spend that whole time. Nothing will happen, but because you're spending quality time, all of a sudden a conversation at the dinner table will be where quality shows up. You can't plan quality. Plan quantity, and quality will arrive. Um, next one is words over time equals direction. You have to start this when they're young, but if you lose time, if you're not spending the time to put uh, advice and direction into their life, guess what they're going to do? They're not going to receive it when they're older. They're just going to think you're trying to control their life. Uh, stories over time equals perspective. When you spend time with them, guess what you get out of that? You get, you get stories, 
And you know what they're doing in those stories? They're testing your word. They're testing everything about you. Is mom and dad, are they reliable? Can I trust what they teach me? Are, are, they, are they giving me direction that's best for me? And then they have stories to lean on. And when they get older, they'll be like, no, mom and dad have never steered me wrong. And when they did steer me wrong, it was because they loved me anyway. They were trying their best, right? This is what happens as they get older. And then we have tribe over time equals belonging. Tribe. And the word that we used last week was circles, right? Family. It's this, this unit. You've got to have that. And when you have that over time, you get belonging, it's, it's, it's so important for us. The longer that we, we are in these better circles, the greater sense of belonging that we have. And when they have that, that significant belonging within your family, within those circles, guess what they do? They spend more time trying to impress you and less time trying to impress some unnamed, faceless person on social media because they already have their place. They have their tribe. They have their family. A child with a strong sense of belonging won't spend their time trying to fit in because they already have found a significant place to belong. And you want that to be in your family. Um, let me give you one more. Fun over time equals connection. It's hard to have fun when you're not spending any time with them at all. And, and we need to understand this is important. You've got to have fun. You really do. Um, do you notice how much our kids laugh and giggle and have fun? how important that is to them, and then there's you, right? I mean, somehow as we get older, we just, we lose the ability to have fun. We lose the ability to be able to laugh. When was the last time that you really had a good laugh with your kids? Maybe it's because you're not spending time with them. If you don't have fun with your kids, you won't have those deep, meaningful connections with them as they grow older. And we got to make memories. We got to make lots of memories, some of them are planned, some of them are spontaneous, but, but memories are important. Uh, when our boys got to a certain age, um, they were five years apart, but they got to this stage where they were like, you know, well, I don't want to hang out with the family, they were too cool for us, you know, and all of that. It was like, Dad, you're so lame, you know, and so they just didn't want to hang out with us anymore. And so my wife and I implemented forced family fun, that's what we said, and every once in a while on a day, we would just declare, today is forced family fun, load up in the van, I don't care what you had planned, you're canceled, you're, you know, we're going to spend time as a family, and we'd go do stupid stuff together, and, and it was always just something goofy. And what's interesting is all of the forced family fun days that we had, do you know which one they remember? The one that went terribly wrong. Everything crashed. The, the van broke down on the way into town. I think, I, you know, it was a summer day. We're sitting in this hot van. It's just smoking hot. We're sweating. And, and anyway, without giving you the whole story, we laughed so much that day. And we made memories. It's what they remembered. So time is critical. Are you with me? Okay, so with that being said, let me ask this question. So what's the problem? What's the problem? Let me, let me show it to you this way, just a little bit different. We're going to use pennies today, uh, kind of de demonstrate this idea. And uh, what I want to let you know is we, we as elders talk, and we've got some elders that, you know, they're, they're always impressing upon the fact that we're trying to reach this next generation, and yet as parents, we only have 18 years if we're lucky, right? 18 years. And one of our elders talks about, you know, that's in a perfect world. Because if you're divorced, your Christmases go from 18 to 9. You're in single digits now. I mean, that's, that's how fast life kind of changes the scenario. And if you're trying to influence your kids and, and raise them up, because I promise you this, you are discipling your kids. It cuts into your time. So uh, what I want to talk to you about is from K to 12, right? So when they enter kindergarten to the time that they graduate, you got 13 years with them. And if you break that down, that means that you have 4,745 days to spend with them. That's these first three jars. There's 4,745 pennies in these jars. And I want to show you how this breaks down and show you why time is so important, especially for you as a parent. This first one, um, if you're a normal human being, um, you have to sleep. So if you sleep eight hours a day, and I know some of us don't, some of us sleep more, but they recommend eight hours a day. What that ends up being is uh, 1,581 days. So of the 4,745 days that you have with your kids, you spend one-third of it in bed knocked out. You don't have a choice on that. So that strips 1,581 days away from you one-third of the time. 
this next one, if you're responsible and you're trying to provide for your family and the whole bit, um, you spend time at work. And, and let's just, just give you the benefit of the doubt. Let's say you have a really good job and that you work uh, you know, five days a week, eight hours a day. And uh, let's say you work 50. You've got a really good job, so you get two weeks of vacation every year. All right? So even at that, what you end up doing is working 26,000 hours. Divide that by 24, you find out that you spend 1,083 days of the 4,745 days at work. That's 25% of the available time with your kids from the time they're K to 12. You spend 25% of it at work, a third of it asleep. This is what's left over. This is all you have. And the question is, what do you want to do with the time that's left over? As a parent, you need to decide. You need to be intentional about this because if you're not, it gets taken. And we're talking about rectangles here this morning. All you have is 2,081 days left with your kids to have an impact. But this is the time that you have, so it's good time. You can do something significant with this time if you want to, but you have to decide how you're going to spend it. Now, here's why I bring this up. Because you might be wondering what this one is. Because this one represents 988 days. Do you know what this is? This is the average American on the phone. Average American spends five hours every day on the phone. Checking emails, sending texts, making phone calls, surfing the internet, or whatever else that you do on the internet. That is for adults. Not kids. That's you. That's me. Five hours every day. So of the 2,081 days that you have left, if you are the normal American, you've just taken half of that and spent it on your phone. And some of this is hitting hard right now. I know it is because you're sitting here going, yeah, I'm around my kids all the time, but I'm always looking at my phone. Remember when we were talking about our kids being on the phone earlier and you're like, yeah, our kids need to get off the phone. You know what they're saying to us? You need to get off the phone. You need to get off the phone. We're oblivious to our kids growing up because we're focused on a glowing rectangle. Um, Half of the remaining time spent on the phone. Now, what's this one? This measly little 17 days, right? The average person spends 1.8, or they come to church 1.8 times a month. So, and I gave you the benefit of the doubt, by the way. I said, okay, 1.8 times a month. Let's give them at least 1.5 hours. And I know that's not you because that means you'd come early. You guys come in 15 minutes late. So, but I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt, okay? So um, if you come in and you spend an hour and a half here every, every 1.8 times a month, then what that averages out to is 421 days. I'm sorry, uh, 421 hours, which you divide that by 24. You come up with 17 days. And so often as parents, we think that bringing our kids to church is going to save the situation. This is one of the reasons why we encourage regular attendance. This is one of the reasons why we push for summer camp. Can you imagine your kid five days at summer camp, what that does? It's a multiplier when it comes to their spiritual development. And trust me, we're not, we're not begging you to send your kids to camp for us. We're doing that because we know the impact that it has on our children and their walk with Christ. Now, if, if this is a situation, you're only spending 17 days in church, but yet uh, they're spending, and again, they're, they're younger, so they spend more time on the phone than you do. But even if they only spent what you spent on the phone, five hours a day, this is 58 times more. What do you think is discipling your kid? What do you think has more influence in your kid? What they're viewing on the phone or what they they hear at church? I want us to make some decisions here today because we need to make some decisions for the sake of our kids. You have 2,081 days left to have an impact in your kid's life. My question is, how are you going to spend it? Are you going to give half of it to your phone? Or are you going to make some commitments and some decisions today to do better? And again, as a shepherd... I'm just trying to guide you. You can reject it. Or you can make some commitments that are going to change things very, very quickly for you. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says this. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is what? 
Not everything is good for you. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is what? Beneficial. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. Here's what I want you to do. As you move forward and you're thinking about, uh, you know, the internet and social media and phones and, and time and all this other stuff, here's what I want you to do. Ask the question, is it good? Is it beneficial? Then if it is, implement it. Get after it. It's like the, the passage in Philippians that Pastor Tim read this morning. Whatever's good, whatever's right. You know, we, need, we need to ask the questions. Is this good? Is this beneficial? And if it is, go after it. If it's not, then we need to make some changes. Because the thing is, parents, you are making disciples. The question is, what kind of disciples are you making? So here's my challenge as we wrap up today. Here's what I want you to do. I don't care what night, but I want you to pick two nights. And from six to eight, I want you to put all the phones away and turn off all the devices. And I know as soon as I'm saying that, I've got guys in the room going, oh, I can't do that. I work on my phone. Or, you know, what if grandma calls and she, you know, or they call and say grandma's dead or whatever, and, and we're going to miss that. And, you know, these are the excuses we hear all the time. And, and the honest truth is this. If grandma's dead, she's not calling you anyway. So don't worry about it. Okay. And you can survive without it because the same guys that say they can't go two hours without it when they're at home are the same people that board a plane. They'll spend several hours on a plane and they have no phone service. And did you die? No, you're just fine. Trust me, you can do this for your family. You can do this for the sake of your family. What are we going to do for two hours? I don't care. Cook a meal together. Sit down and talk. Go for a walk. Play a game. You know, break out the glove and ball. Throw a ball around the backyard. I don't care whatever it is, but turn the phones off and spend some time, some quality time together. Just start pouring into each other. I don't, um, I don't think this is difficult. But here's the interesting thing. Because of the phone, it's become difficult. It used to be I could step on an elevator and have a conversation with somebody I didn't know just because you were on an elevator together. Today, nobody wants to talk to each other because we're looking at our phones. And it's happened in our families now. It's interesting. We won't have conversations. We want to we hide in this little glowing rectangle. Um, I, I want you to spend some time together with a family. Just go to the park. I mean, do whatever you need to do. You decide. Do something that the whole family likes doing. And... and Ladies, let me just ask this too. When you're doing this, please don't stop and take pictures and post it. Okay, can you not do that? Because that defeats the purpose as well. Don't do that. See, stop telling your kids to get off their phone and give them a better alternative. Okay? Give them something that they want to do, they want to engage with. Make a memory. And my prayer and hope is as you get through this, you get to the end of this series, you look back and you'll be able to say, yeah, this did have an impact. It is good for us as a family. It's making us stronger. We are, we're better because of it. Uh, this is perfect timing, by the way, too. Because if you look at your calendar, we got Halloween tomorrow night. We got Thanksgiving coming up. We've got Christmas. What are you going to do? Are you going to plan stuff? Or are you going to sit around at Christmas and just look at your phones? Maybe the best thing that you could do today is leave here and go into town and buy a board game or a puzzle or buy some sports equipment. Maybe that's the best thing that you could do today. Uh, I had a buddy this last week that I was talking to and I was telling him what we were talking about and, and he said this, he said, you know what, I bet if we gave up social media for 30 days, 90% of our problems would go away. And I'm like, man, I bet you're right. I bet you're right. And now, if you're single, you're not out, off the hook either. I know I've talked about families here, but here's what I want you to do. If you're single, I want you to do the same thing. And maybe for you, you just get into the Word of God. You just spend some time without the phone interrupting you. Just spend some time in the Word of God. Or maybe you find a place to serve and plug in and start serving somewhere. Or maybe um, you call up that discipler of yours and you say, hey, can we go have dinner tonight? And you just thank them for pouring into you. Or maybe you make an investment in somebody younger than you. Just spend some time, spend two hours making somebody else know that they are valued by God. Maybe that's what you do. Could you imagine the time, the impact that we could have if we weren't spending so much time staring into these glowing rectangles? Now, some of us are hooked on social media, and it's, it's, it's sick because the reason we're hooked is because we're trying to escape reality. 
Like we're living a life uh, that we're not happy with. And we think that this life isn't worth living, and so therefore we're settling by watching somebody else live their life. The truth is, the person that you're watching behind that camera, there's a lot of depression, there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of suicidal thoughts going on. Uh, Their life isn't as great as you think it is either. And so here's what I want to end with. I I just want to challenge every one of you. I want you to stop wasting a life that Jesus died to redeem. He came to, so that you might live life and live it to the fullest. He has a better life for you. I don't want you to try to escape something that Jesus died for, that he thought was so valuable that he gave his life for. Now, you might not think it's exciting or valuable, but Jesus did. And he came for you, and he has a better plan for you and your kids if you'll just pay attention to it. Now, I have to ask this question. Are we okay? Are we good? All right. Can I pray for us? Would that be okay? Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now as broken people. We're trying our best to live this life, Lord, but so often we, we get it wrong. We, um, we give in to things, not thinking that they're causing problems. We think they're good, and yet, Lord, uh, we look back and realize the effect that it's had. Uh, Lord, for especially the young parents in the room, I pray that you would give them the strength, that you would, give, um, that you would wipe the emotions away and allow them to have conversations that are meaningful for them to live a life that honors you and to raise their kids in that way as well. Give us the strength to be able to make the decisions that we need to make today, to chase after the things that are good and beneficial. And Lord, I pray that today as we leave, that, um, that we would be okay in being challenged in your word being challenged to live a life that looks more and more like you. And Lord, I pray that this would have profound impacts for years to come because we're raising these kids as disciples in you. And Lord, I pray that, um, that you would bless each and every person here as they take steps. I pray that you would do a miraculous work in them and their relationships. And I pray that by the time we get to Thanksgiving and Christmas, Lord, they're looking back on it and realizing that the commitments that they made have had a massive payoff that their relationships are stronger and their homes are better because they were listening to the call of your spirit. Lord, we just pray all this brings glory and honor to your name and all God's people said, amen.